0: Welcome to Interscription. I don't want to play anymore, so saith your favorite podcast hosts. Today's spirited interchange of ideas whisks us through being engaged in all the wrong places through social media. We thankfully stop our rambling train at the station to discuss AI and its diabolical implications on artists, and a small visit to some games I've been playing to pass the time until the robots come. Thanks for staying on this road with us.
1: And we are live, and I unceremoniously cut you off before we started rolling because I had a feeling, a sense, a a premonition that you were about to lay some very deep truth on me, and I felt that it was important to record it for time
0: and posterity. Definitely. Definitely we should record it. I think Jason Aldean, a uh, country music singer uh is uh has a track out Uh, i guess it was released as far back ago as may and there is uh i believe the the title is something like try that in a small town or something like that
1: yes i'm Uh, familiar with the work uh in written form from twitter primarily
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. It's a good time to talk about it. Um, And uh, I'm not a big country music fan. I do appreciate some of the crossover stuff. I've found that I appreciate some genres of music tangentially based on crossover work. So country music, um, some jazz stuff, some blues stuff, when it crosses over with genres that I've experienced is where I've, I've loved it the most, um, which pretty bold, bold faced, shows that I'm not necessarily always down the lane of whatever that music is, but I I can appreciate elements of it as it weaves, you know, into, into things that I am are more near and dear to my heart, like rock. And of course, you know, pop stuff in general. Um, uh, so, I'm not familiar with the song. I have not listened to the song, um, yet full disclosure. Um, I have read through all the lyrics of the song. I have, uh, seen, um, both, um, highly liberal and highly conservative people, uh, give me their very, very objective takes on what that song means and what it does not mean. Uh, and I, um, I said to you just before we went on air that, I don't want to play anymore. That's right. And and I I used that emphasis because that is the important part to me. That I don't want to play. I can play. I can play. I think I still have the faculty. I am uh as I barrel down towards the uh am, as I'm staring down the barrel of a 45. Uh I am uh I am seeing that uh, some of my faculty may be a little bit uh, less uh, uh, in, <laughs> in excess, uh, but I am, I am still able to play. I can mm-hmm. still, you can put me in a room and I can talk to people and I can have conversations. Um, I'm finding there are less rooms for conversation um, and I don't know that I love that because it feels like in some of the rooms, these are, these are, uh, uh, not physical rooms or even virtual rooms. They're just, you know, when I say rooms, I mean places, uh, uh, either physical or or not that, that individuals reside, um, that could potentially be communicating and are not. And I, I, I feel like I'm almost now turning into some weird referee. Like I feel like I have to like sit in the middle and make sure that everybody's talking. And if I'm the only one who wants everybody to talk in some of those rooms, then I feel like that's not really what everybody wanted anyway. So what the hell am I doing? Like, And that's why I don't know that I always want to play anymore. This business about the country song. he did the wrong thing. You know, at the end of the day, he did the wrong thing. And by the wrong thing, I mean, he stepped in it in a place where he's just not allowed to step anymore. Um, I I don't know that I have any shred of me that agrees with his sentiment, explicit or implicit. I, I don't know that that's the case because um, I don't care about him or his song. <laughs> I really don't like enough to defend it or attack it. Um but I don't like that. We can't talk like, I don't like that part because that feels like that's wrong. Um, it feels like we're supposed to be able to talk. Um, I don't, I don't love, I don't love the, um, I, we, we, we use the term polarize a lot. Right. Um, and I, I I would, I would hearken to the, idea of polarizing and talking about like polarity, like magnets, right? Like where you have two polarities that are, uh, that are not to mix, right? Right. Like you can't take those two polarities and push them towards each other because they just fly in the other direction, right? Like they're not allowed to talk. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, the same polarities rather. We anyway don't want to get lost in another analogy. But the, the, the idea that that uh, when something is polarized, they're being they're 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 on opposite sides, right? And and this this inability to have discourses is is. is Is the only version of toxicity that I'm interested in anymore. Like, it's the only one I want to talk about because it is the thing that's not allowing us to talk. Like, it's not, we're not allowed to compromise anymore. We're not allowed to fix anything. Um, And maybe it's my dumb man brain that just wants to fix things and I'm not supposed to fix things. Right. But, uh, but why are we not? Wanting to fix things, right? Like, I mean, it is the thing. Like, you're a dad. I'm a dad. Yes. And you know that sometimes your kid does some dumb fucking shit, and you just want to yell at them. You want to grip them up by their puppy scruff and throw them through sheetrock because they did some dumb fucking shit, and they knew they did some dumb fucking shit. Like, they fucked it up, and you needed to just get it out there because they did that shit right in your stupid face and they knew what was going on and you just wanted to fucking wreck them because they did some dumb shit. But that doesn't fix it. And like any time that you've lost your cool about it, right? Anytime I've lost my cool, right? Like as soon as the discourse stops, then... Nothing else can occur. Right. Like now everybody's screaming or crying or running or closing doors or whatever everybody's doing. But what nobody's doing is they're not connecting. Right. Like they. you. So like there's this period of time that you've now lost. Right. Like that you've now lost and and it's, and it sucks. I saw some, some ridiculous stat, um, which, you know, when you just do the back of the napkin math makes a ton of sense. Like if you think about the time that you have with your kids, which let's say it's from age zero to 18, right? That during that period of time, you will have spent 93, 94% of, of, that is 93 to 94% of the time you will get to spend with them in their life. Right. Cause as soon as they rabbit out of there, they're in college, they're getting married, they're having babies, they're moving to Saskatchewan, they're, they're gone. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, so like during the period of time, that is 90 plus percent of the time you will spend with them in their lives. Right. And if you lose some of that time blowing your fucking cool and you screaming at the top of your lungs or throwing them through sheetrock or whatever it is that you're doing right instead of having a conversation like trying to fix it right like trying to get to the heart of it and i'm not begrudging anybody for losing their cool. Everybody is going to lose their cool sometimes. It's not about that, but it's about knowing that that was the wrong idea to lose your cool, to be polarized, to have everybody in their own rooms and far away from each other and come back to it, like fix it because you want to fix it because you want to be back on the couch at some point watching cartoons and you want to be at the dinner table again. And you don't want to be gritting your teeth at your kids, right? Like you want to fix it. And we're just losing that for our fellow man like we're just losing it like it's just crazy like like it's just insane. I, I, there's. I'm, I don't imagine either of us got to it because it would have been today. And I know both of us were getting punched in the face by work all day, so I'm sure we didn't get to it. That's but right. if anybody wants to is having the Barbenheimer experience this weekend, and 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 if you think about those two movies, there's Barbie, which is this relentless Greta Gerwig assault on toxic man- masculinity. And then there's Oppenheimer, which is this three-hour epic about how man has destroyed everything. Like, <laughs> nobody's having any mm-hmm. fucking fun. Like <laughs> Nobody wants to be at the table. There's just a whole bunch of how much everybody fucks it up, right? Like, that is what is going on. Your Barbenheimer message, as fun and cute as that name is supposed to be, everybody... Fucking hates each other and like, and, and thinks that they broke everything. And I just, I just, we cannot get through a week. We cannot get through a fucking week with, without, without some bullshit that like everybody's just gotta jump to both sides. Like, I'm over here and fuck you. And well, I'm over here and fuck you. And, and we're all just staying there. Like, and, everybody's got to pick a side. And I don't want to do that. Like, that's why I don't want to play anymore because it's, you're just going to have to put a jersey on. You will have to put a jersey on. You're not allowed to enjoy football. You have to have an Eagles jersey, right? Like you're not, you're not allowed to watch the game. You have to watch your team. And I don't think that that's okay. I don't, th- yeah, I mean, it is impossible. You're actually it's impossible. It's impossible for that to be the case.
1: You have to take a few snaps. It's not that you have to <clears throat> enjoy your team. Like that would be one thing, right? Like you're watching a football game. You like a team you're putting on the Jersey. But I mean, I think societally what you're saying is like, no, you actually have to put on a Jersey and go down to the field and put in your work and get fucking rolled over by an offensive lineman. And then you can go back to watching the game. But yes. everybody has yes.
0: to play. Everybody's got to play. Oh, And or you have to be in a stadium with the opposing team and their jerseys and everybody's got to throw beer at each other and be shitty. Like, like, even if you're not actually playing on the field, you have to be out in the stands trying to enjoy a hot dog and then get beamed in the side of the head with a beer can. Like you like nobody's allowed to talk. You can't sit next to a Cowboys fan and talk to them. You can't do it. You're not allowed because if you do that, you're not an Eagles fan. Like you're not allowed to talk anymore. And that is 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 not okay. It is not okay. I refuse to believe that any one team has it all right. Like I just don't, I don't believe in that. I don't agree with that. There's too much that's, that's being forced into this weird polarization that I don't, I don't like the the natural momentum like this river that's pushing you in one one gully or the other like it, it feels like we are losing the fucking thread man like we, we have to do this better like we will not make it we will not make it like this is a dumb country song i'm sorry it's a dumb country song who cares who fucking cares like like it, it doesn't matter like find out what this guy meant you know what i mean ask him don't ask him or pin him into some PR prepared speak just so that you have him step in some more shit so that you then get to to poke holes in his PR speak, because that's probably not even fucking Jason Aldean. That's probably his team, which is another team he pays for next to the other team that made the video in the first place. Right. (laughs) Like, I mean, there's nothing about Jason Aldean I think we've experienced yet. Right. Like, I mean, he's got like a fucking troop full of PR folks that are just doing this. Right. And they're continuing to do it wrong. What would be okay for him? like. Literally, if he walked out right now and said, y'all, I'm trans, like that would be the only way that he would make it. That is the only thing that would fix it right now because he can't fix it. He can't talk about it anymore because he's they're mad that he fucking stepped in it. And that sucks, man. Like it just like he gets to have a fucking opinion. Everybody gets to have a fucking opinion. It's dumb if if it on the face of it. And like if that's what he actually thinks, some of it seems kind of fucking dumb. And I would ignore it. Like I would ignore a lot of dumb things. Things. I've heard a lot of dumb things before Jason Aldean, and I've been able to move past it. I've been able to think about the fact that I don't agree with that. That's stupid. Anyway, let's go do something else. Right. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are what is happening? Dude? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to
1: put a layer of cynicism on his PR team because I'm not sure that he's doing it wrong or his PR team is doing it wrong because we're all talking about this fucking song. So like, like, sure. I mean,
0: no bad press. No I, bad press.:
1: I'm not so sure that they're wrong, but you know, we have the this fucking sorting hat, which we've talked about previously, and it's coming from sources, and all of them are picking at random from issues on where things are going to fall, and sometimes uh, those buckets make a lot of sense, and sometimes they don't. And we're kind of left scratching our heads like, oh, how did Team Red get that issue? Uh, But that's where we end up, right? Like, you know, this Microsoft thing has suddenly become political, although notably, I haven't seen any elected Democrats backing the FTC's nonsense on this. But most of the attack on it was from Republican congressmen and, you know, a group of 22 Republican congressmen and no Democrats signed on to say, drop this nonsense about this merger. It's fine. And... You know, it's something that's arguably pro-consumer and it's not like a union issue. It's not a labor issue. It's not a thing that traditionally Democrats would be against. And also it's big tech, which you know, big tech in Hollywood has traditionally been the bastion of the left, like in terms of business. and the right has had, you know more infrastructure, other kinds of companies in their pocket. Like they all are in the pay of some sort of big companies. but, You know, that's been sort of the sorting. And so it's unusual that those are the sides for this and, you know, that it's not like Republicans attacking Twitter before Elon bought it and, you know, just going knives out with Zuckerberg and all of these big tech companies because traditionally they haven't been particularly havens for the right versus the left. And so like these things happen And like Hollywood, we were talking about Warrior and very modern gay coming-of-age story in um, Warrior, which is a 19th century poor story of San Francisco's Chinatown and society. And this private gay club that these two Chinese immigrants just walk into has people of all races and shapes and sizes and, like, just everybody is, like, free-loving, like the 60s are just a, a twinkle in somebody's eye. And it stood out to me, like, in a very forced way, you know, in the way that, you know, I hope to talk about in this episode that like AI is writing the episode and it knows that HBO shows need, you know, 14% more, you know, uh, gay content or homoerotic. And this is what a gay club looks like and didn't actually take into account the 19th century of it all. And none of Mm -hmm. that is to Mm -hmm. say that people weren't gay or not gay in the 19th century. I'm way more interested in a young gay mobster, coming over from China where he can finally express himself and dealing with the the macho, like, in whorehouses and doing all this, like, stuff. Like, if he gets outed, you know, to the rest of his gang, like, what's that going to be like? You know, that's a more interesting story than this kind of, like, very, like, glitzy, glam, sort of hard-to-believe thing. But everything is kind of washed through this veneer of whatever the issue is. And, you know, when you talk about, like, Everybody's got to take sides. Everything that we consume is telling us to take sides. There's no break. There's no outlet. I mean, if we were just all chilling in the same living room together and watching the same shows, we'd think the same things. But we're getting these different outlets. We're getting beamed in the head with different issues. And some of them are going to resonate with us. Some aren't. Uh, and you got to take like this giant step back. Like, Why are we being told to care about this country song? Why is it getting all of this coverage instead of other things so i think it was it was in the 70s uh, mit a bunch of researchers predicted the fall of society and said it would definitely happen around the second half of the 21st century probably about 2040. Um, another group of uh, researchers in 2021 checked in on their estimates and their work and said yep there's still pretty on track to have society collapse as of 2040. And yep, we're doing everything we can. Uh, that's it. Uh, right. And you know, the issues, the actual fucking issues that should be all that we're talking about is there are too many people, there are too many people with food insecurity. Uh, climate change is happening, and it's fucking wrecking crops, like California, Nevada, like all these uh, western states drying up and rivers running dry. If you go to a fucking supermarket and you grab yourself an orange, In December, we need to stop for a fucking second and say, where did this orange come from? Because Mm -hmm. no matter how carefully you plant it, you will never grow an orange tree in Forty Fort. Like, it's not going to happen. And so how is that happening? It's happening because we have a wide range of climates in the States. We have a wide range of clients on the planet, and we've got a global food supply chain that is pushing grain and produce and crops and meat. All over the planet. And we get uh-huh. we got pork from China where they have these uh-huh. large pork farms and they're flash frozen and flown across the country uh, to end up in your local giant or Acme or food line or wherever you get your groceries. And that shit's not going to work if the fields aren't fertile plant crops, if those crops uh-huh. die out, uh-huh. if there's... A war in Ukraine and uh, Russia decides that all of the grain shipments are probably housing bombs and so we're not going to let them fly. Yes, immediately that's going to impact countries in Africa and South America and places with less food security than it does here in the US. But just like everything, it's all connected and mm-hmm. that's going to hit you. And when you're scratching your head at you know paying $8 for a gallon of milk... That's why this is happening. You know, That's where this inflation, where this pressure is coming from. And we're not talking about that. I think everybody on any side of any aisle, Cowboys fans, Eagles fans, Giants fans, people who don't give a fuck about football, want to be able to feed their families. They, they mm-hmm. like to eat, usually every day. They want yeah. air conditioning and heat and to be able to sleep without a leaky roof and to have security and basic comfort and those are the things that are actually under attack and so i get even more cynical when these absolutely bullshit issues start cropping up again and again because we are being fed we we are being taught to consume and to seek those dopamine hits and to be and not to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable and that's really the uh-huh. thing is you know when AOC posts something on Twitter and there are you know, a thousand comments uh, just trashing her for whatever quick reason. It's because for some reason that showed up in somebody's feed who didn't like it and they engaged with it in a negative way. And the same for Elon or you know whoever you want to trump when he was on Twitter. And what the algorithms are doing is they care about engagement. They don't care about uh-huh. things that you like or don't like what they're paying attention to is, what are you prompted to respond to? What gives you a visceral reaction that you say, hmm, dear asshats, and you start Mm -hmm. like typing Mm -hmm. your angry reply, that's what they care about because that means they've got your eyeballs, they've got your effort, and you're producing content for their platform. So of course they're going to show you shit that you hate that's going to make you angry and uncomfortable and dissatisfied, and the only way to avoid that is to very carefully cultivate your feed and to call out anything that is disagreeable to you or doesn't fit the worldview that's been building in you know an ever-expanding cyclone around you that just further reinforces what you think and what you like and what you feel comfortable with until you don't have that discourse anymore because you've built this just pillow fort of ideas around you so that you don't have to deal with anybody who doesn't fit your worldview. And then when something breaks through, even if it's just a dumb fucking country song, the outrage and discomfort, it's like your fucking immune system just swarms to attack it and not to let it in, not to let that discourse happen, and not to even remember that that's just another human being who doesn't believe what you believe. And I think that outrage is... It's bipolar here. I don't think it's bipolar everywhere. I think there are different facets to it. But that's where we're kind of running when what we should be doing is building giant direct air carbon machines and planting crops and no longer fucking
0: around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're I, 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 as you were talking about that, a uh, couple different uh, thoughts around it. I, I, I will say one, 100% i believe that feeding people and making sure the planet doesn't die should be non-profit globally like it is just everybody gets to eat and everybody gets to be like you know in a climate that doesn't kill them period <laughs> like right. there and then we can go from there right like i like i think you know, and I think you can start expanding into healthcare and stuff like that. And I, I I I try to keep a cynical hat on it too, because capitalism has had its share of success in our history. And so I, I don't want to say, well, let's just rip it all down, because I I know that it does. not It isn't always the answer to just rip it all down. But I, but I think that even cynically, when I think about that, the more people that are here and are healthy, they can spend money on shit, right? So like, it would be good to get them all here and healthy, right? Like. I don't understand, like, you know what I mean? Like you can't sell Lululemon to somebody who's bedridden. Like I, like I feel like it's, it's like something, if you can just get people to that level of subsistence, that makes some sense. Then you can push forward for like the kind of good to have the quality of life things. Right. You know what I mean? While still making sure people have, you know, food, healthcare, climate, right? Like those things should be things that we are just, you know, part of the human condition. We just take care of those things and everything above that. Right. And like, it's It's weird, right? because like with with food, right? like feeding everybody food like i I think that everybody should have a gallon of milk. I don't think everybody should have a gallon of chocolate milk, you know what I mean? like I think everybody should have access if they have a broken bone to get that set and you know dressed and 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 have antibiotics if necessary. but I don't think everybody should qualify for you know free tattoos or free Breast augmentations, or you know, like nose jobs, or whatever. Like, I don't think you should do that. Like, so I think that there's, you know, it's tough to draw that line there. But I think there is room for us to still have a consumer based society while still making sure people are taken care of. And the thing that's broken there is, is you're right. Like, I don't. We're. I. I think we are commoditizing even these very basic needs of humans, right? In in a way that like makes it kind of dangerous because then the rockiness of an economy. Gets it like starts to affect whether or not people can eat at home or be in a room that's not sweltering hundred plus degrees, right? Because they are can't cool it, whether because they can't pay for the electricity or they don't have an air conditioner that works, right? So I think. There's parts of society that now in the modern context just need to be peeled away. They just need to be fully governed, just like we don't privatize police and fire departments. Like, I don't think we should be privatizing food and and climate, right? Like, I feel like some of those things are just part of making sure people exist. And then after that, there's plenty of things to sell people. You know what I mean? Like, we have plenty of things we can fucking sell to people and they'll fucking buy it. Like, just get them healthy, get them saved and okay, and then the rest of it would be great. So, yes, I'm with you on that. But, but I don't really know where we go to fix it. Like when you were talking about eyeballs, right? Like there was something somebody had said this because I, I think we did we mention it last last week about threads. did we do we get into threads at all? Not, I, don't know not
1: if we, I think very briefly, just that it's a brand on brand action.
0: Yeah. And, and the thing that's like crazy, somebody actually said this, like the actual words they said uh, threads right now is a land grab for, um, uh, for brands, and I really loved that idea because when you think about a land grab, when you think about like Manifest Destiny in the United States, when we, we were taking over from east to west, right, like across to you know who's got the state and who's got this the laying track down and all that kind of stuff, you know some of the same stuff that's talked about in Warrior actually, um, and that's what's happening in Thread right now because Thread's brand new; it's a brand new social media platform, and everybody's rushing over there because they hate Elon because he's a Republican, and so we're rushing over to Threads, and when we go over there it's filled with brands like brands that are just like just shooting at your eyeballs like just just blasting your fucking head open with brand stuff and it's exactly what you said they they just want to see what brand you are going to to adhere to first right like are you going to follow the wendy's account and like everything that they post over there because if that's the one that wins then that's the one that wins like they're just it's it's like land grab is such a perfect like analogy to what is happening over on thread because it's like fertile it's fertile uh ground for for all these brands because they do want to get your engagement like everybody's over there like breathing a collective breath of fresh air that's not the hellhole that's Twitter right like as though Twitter was that much of a fucking hellhole it was just one that everybody created for themselves but what like and so everybody's like oh it's so much nicer over here and then all of a sudden like every single time I refresh my feed now I get nothing but brands like just slamming me I'm like who the hell is this who the hell is this who the hell is this like because it's all of these brands that are just land grabbing trying to like get Get your eyeballs back because, like, they don't want you in that conversation, they don't want you talking. Yeah. Like, why is that? Why? Why is anything even built that way? Like, it's so, like, that is, that is the toxicity that is the most dangerous. Like, this, this, these machines that are actually, like, stepping in and trying to take you away from talking. Like, they do not want you to talk to one another. Like, why wouldn't they want you to talk to one another? Like, think about all of the times in times of war when prisoners would be separated, right? Like, they would separate them into separate rooms and cells and places. Why would they separate them? They would separate them because if you put them together, they would revolt they would they would feel like they could actually fix a problem because there were 2 or 4 or 7 or 10 or 50 of them right like they feel like they could do something together you they can't congregate because if you let them congregate then they will do something right and so like how how awful and disgusting is it that all these brands and all these technologies are are specifically designed to to separate us all
1: like isn't that the worst part of it it, it is the worst part of it i mean it's the fundamental nugget the core of what we're talking about which is ultimately there's not that much daylight between us regardless of whose flag you're flying like there's not like we all want comfort and peace and we want to be able to live our lives and raise our children and give them a better future than we have and so that is the cynicism uh you know we're gonna we're kind of free-forming a little bit, but, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the um, SAG and writers' strike right now, and the Teamsters are announcing that they may go on strike for UPS. And when you look at the common thread in all of these, and there have been times when organized labor has been hugely profound. One of the reasons most of us have a 40-hour work week is because of unions. You know, the reason we don't typically work on weekends, you know, with the exception of, you know, both of us on this podcast and, you know, other exempt employees, but (laughs) most people who work and get paid an hourly rate aren't asked to do much more than work those hours and punch out when they're done and go and live their lives. And that wasn't always the case. You know, there were no rules around that. There's nothing about health care, or if you offer someone a pension, you actually have to pay it and can't take it away after they retire. You know, all of Mm -hmm. that comes from organized labor, but there've also been times when it's overreached You know, and unions have become too powerful and prevented jobs from happening, people from going to work, um, employers and employees from doing the things that they wanted to do to better both of their lives. And right now we're kind of in the middle, but the thing that nobody really wants to talk about is how much these companies are making. And so with the writer's strike and the actor's strike, we're at a point where these companies these networks these studios have made higher profit margins than they ever had in their in their history and the issues that have brought striking isn't just you know these actors want more money or these writers want more money what they want is parity with what the industry has always paid them for mm-hmm. network pieces and the same royalties that they traditionally enjoyed and the studios are largely saying well we're not sure if Netflix is going to make it, and so um, <laughs> we don't really want to pay you for that because it's just too risky for us to put things out on Netflix. And you look at the fucking Emmys, and it's all streaming networks. Yeah, like it's all—all of, it. all, all yeah. of it is like that. The game is over, and so you look at that. <laughs> and the other piece that keeps coming up is both the actors and the writers say, "Hey." I know this is really crazy and it's probably silly for us to even ask, but um just want to make sure like as we're kind of negotiating, you're not going to replace us with AI, are you? Uh, I mean, can we just like, I, I know we're probably overthinking, but can you just, you know, sign off on the, you promise not to replace us with AI and the studio say, no deal, we're closing it out. And like they are not willing to say it and it's fucking insane. Like, of course you're going to strike because you don't want to be replaced with AI. On the actor's side, one of the actual written proposals from the studios was if you go in as an extra or doing a day's work on a film that they want those actors to be, to sign off their likeness and image and bodies for perpetuity for any other projects Mm -hmm. that the studio ever has. So they'll get paid for one day of work and they will be in films forever. Uh, Right. And like when you're thinking about any other job, like, Hey, I want to scan your brain. You're a young attorney. You're starting here at my law firm. And, you know, just, you know, typical thing. You're going to come in on day one for training. We're going to scan your brain. And um, I'm going to sign off that I get to make the fake you write briefs for me for the rest of time. Mm -hmm. Like, what the actual fuck? Like, there's no other profession where that would even be a starter where we could even discuss it. And it's timely uh, to mention this particular strike. In it, um, You know, the Teamsters one is interesting because one of the things that's come out is if you drive for UPS on the weekends, you get paid less than if you drive during weekdays. And Mm -hmm. one of the Teamsters' wild demands is that people should be paid the same regardless of what day they work. That it's no more or less valuable because you guys actually want those weekend deliveries. And if anything, you should be paying those guys more because they're losing their weekends and coming in. Um, So it's like... When you actually look at the proposals and you look why these folks are striking, it's not because they want only green-colored M&Ms in, in their dressing rooms. It's like very basic human common sense things, but that's what's getting papered over. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that for every strike or every merger that shows us you know, the disgusting underbelly of the tech or gaming industry, there's 10 more that we're not getting to see. And Mm -hmm. that's why we're being sorted and divided. Because if we actually fucking stop and talk with a UPS driver who may look nothing like us or feel anything like us, we're gonna have way much more in common than we are with the corporation that is spoon feeding us what side to take on what issue and why we should hate everybody who doesn't agree.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it, it it is. It is nuts to me that, like, I I think a lot of the 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 striking stuff uh, that that's that's been going on has been polarized to be a liberal issue, right? Like, and, and that like liberal people only are the people that are upset by it, and it like absolutely like it, it, kind of like when we talked about COVID, like how fucking stupid it was that like Democrats wear masks and Republicans don't because you know the virus was actually going to give a shit about it, you know what your what what you what you said on, on your ballot. But wow, like that's so weird because it's just people like if we can just dumb this down a little bit and I don't want to overgeneralize because... You know, artists uh, are a certain type of you know, or a certain type of labor, you know, relative to delivering packages. But, uh, but I think these are just people who want to get paid a fair wage for the work they're doing, and they would like to. And the reason they want to do that is because they do want to make sure that they can feed their family and that they can be in a climate-controlled box, since we can't fix the fucking world. And because you know what I mean, and like they want to take care of themselves tomorrow, right? And I just, it is, it is becoming, and I'll stick with the art piece for a second and around the writer's strike and, and, you know, the SAG stuff that I feel it's very, it's very telling that so many of these, uh, ex- uh executives in, at, at the higher levels of, of these companies, are, what they think about artists and art, like they think about it as content, right? There was the, um, for HBO Max, when it turned into Max, there was the. I uh, will have to go look at the. But they. But when you click on a. When uh, this might have been blown out of proportion, but I don't. I don't think it's not. Uh, emblematic of of the problem we're talking about where uh, when they moved from HBO Max to Max, instead of saying directed by, written by, starring they just said content by, and then they dumped everybody in the same bucket because they wanted you know, the, the, to them there isn't a difference, like you're all just a bunch of leeches <laughs> yep. stealing money off That's of right. my my yacht, man, like you know what <laughs> I mean, like, like it's, it's like how they were thinking about it, I was like you know, and, and there's just something about it that like feels so and and of course, that's the message, right? Like, of course, that's the message is being fed. And and it has become a very liberal versus Republican thing, because like everything has to be. And that's part of why we can't talk anymore. You know, and it's super, super frustrating. Um but I, I am. I, I, it is amazing to me that that the the the, the um, disgust that artists are, are are having to live through right now. Like it's it's weird to me. Like everybody. I don't care who you are, how stuffy you are, how much money you have coming out of your ears. there is some part of art that you've enjoyed in your life, right? And someone made that art, right? Like something made that art and all these AI models and everything that they're, they're pushing towards. And you have a great uh, example of something that we should talk about in the, in the pod this week it still gets trained on content made by artists, right? Like it still gets trained on that. It is not Even if you have an artist come in for one day, scan their face, scan their body, and then you can make, turn them into an extra in a movie for the rest of time, you still needed that person. Your AI model could do nothing without being fed data. And, it, and so it needs to scrape all that data, calculate it, homogenize it, and, you know, randomize it so that it goes back out the door and turns into more content. So you still need artists, no matter what you say. You still need artists. It's just this way of of like cutting out the middleman as much as humanly possible. You know, a middleman that you absolutely need. And I think that that's that's so lousy. Like that you would think that you really don't need them except for this one time where if you didn't have them, you definitely couldn't do what you need to do. And I think that there's something about that that like you have to think about. I think the irony there is that artists then look at these streaming services and without the streaming services being created as a thing, there would no, be no place for them to put their art. Right? So, so like, I, I think in some ways, like there's like this, this frustrating lack of meeting of the minds, right? Like nobody's trying to meet in the middle to talk about how essential the partnership is. The symbiosis is right. Like when it's done well and everybody gets paid and everybody does well and everybody's making good content and profiting from that content and everything's working well. Uh, I, but the idea that we've polarized one another in such a weird way has has been very broken. Um, I'll pass to you if you have that article handy, because I think that that's a it's an interesting uh, example of you know how AI is starting to actually like light on fire and, and go even further in this.
1: Yeah. So there's um there's this showrunner. It's called The Simulation. Um, I'm just uh, I'm pulling up my notes right now. actually, why don't we take a very quick break, because I need to caffeinate, and let's come back and talk about this part of AI.
0: I love that. Caffeination. And see you on the other side.
1: I think we'll come back on this side and be a little less uh, Debbie. The world is going to slide into chaos and uh, a little more... Hey, guys, AI is fun, and that might also kill you. great.
0: Great. So, it's like a slight tone change. So you're saying we started with Oppenheimer and now we're on Barbie. Is that what you're that's saying that's right? To me?
1: we We are doing the Barbenheimer circuit, and, and we are yes, yeah, so I saw this story, and it <clears throat> does kind of fall into this whole thing. So this company called Fable that has a program called the Simulation, which is a place where you can actually create an AI character and let them go live their own life in the simulation, kind of like Free Guy, um, the Ryan Reynolds movie, except Mm -hmm. in real life, uh, came up with this showrunner AI, which is a way to develop virtual South Park episodes. Okay.
0: Okay. Is this with the consent of Matt and Trey? It is
1: not, which is why they're not actually releasing it to the public. So it's very much a proof of concept. And they've designed it in a way that you can put yourself into a South Park episode and then just give it a two-word prompt, and it will generate the entire episode that you can watch and enjoy. And, you know, first from an entertainment standpoint, their, their value prop is... As interesting as it is scary, you know, they believe that um, studios, people like Disney will put something like this behind a paywall to allow fans to create their own episodes using Disney characters and, Mm. you know, put themselves into their own Disney show. But I think that's really just a way of saying this robot dog with a machine gun on its back doesn't have to kill people you know we could also use it to you know plow the fields that's it I mean we need the fields plowed so yeah I mean the reality is it feels um
0: did you do this season of Black Mirror I did Joan is awful and uh
1: okay I think that's all you need for this conversation
0: yeah and that's uh, I think it's the only one anybody's talking about, so we might as well do that one. Yeah, yes. I, but Streamberry is really fucking funny as a name, but I, I I don't know how many I, that was probably the hardest part of this whole thing to get signed off on was renaming Netflix to Streamberry but still using their da-dum.
1: Yeah, I, I mean good. it is a Netflix property and a Netflix original, so you know they can do whatever the fuck they want. Um, but yeah, I mean. It hit close to home and that's basically what this is, is the idea of creating AI characters that are just living and then you're creating episodes based on, you know, clips of their lives. And in fact, that's kind of how this putting you in South Park concept works is that they've created, you know, virtual Cartman that is just going about his day doing Cartman shit. And they feel like as long as a show has about two seasons, um, to your point, uh, there's enough to train it on that it can just generate endless episodes uh, moving on forever of whatever your favorite show is uh, without ever running out of seasons, ever running out of content or costing anybody anything and making the studios a whole lot of money. Uh, so cool that it's able to do that. Mm -hmm. A little fucking Mm -hmm. freaky that it does that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I see a couple of things about it, right? Like I think, Given the amount of processing power that's ostensibly being used just to call the the point of of a season episode whatever of South Park that that's being dedicated towards that rather than the production of it, right? Because the production of a South Park episode takes, you know, Matt and Trey's team, what, five or six days, right? Like that's the whole point of why they continue to keep that art style is because it's so easy to produce and quick and they can make South Park episodes incredibly topical, unlike other shows that are in the can months in advance and and, you know, are are part of some narrative that's long since passed. Like South Park gets to comment on it. So like a week from now we could have a Jason Aldean episode for <laughs> South Park because they're on top of it, right? Like, um and so so I think it's interesting from that processing perspective that this technology is not also having to worry about the craft, right? Whereas opposed if you were to pump in two seasons of The Nevers, if we ever got two seasons, then it would be more difficult to reproduce that because of the fidelity of a live action show that also has to have special effects would be just taking up amount, the amount of processing power needed. Yeah, I, I mean...
1: <clears throat> For proof of concept, of course, but you can definitely see where, you know, when you pitched, you know, give me an Evers movie to chat GBT, like it uh, might've needed some, some redlining, but it wasn't fucking awful. Like, and that's with the limited universe of what it has. So you can see that that's where we're going. And so there's this article on VentureBeat that I pulled up. uh, The one that I saw was on Engadget uh, that they launched about it, but. There's just a really good quote from Fable CTO that I want to kind of throw here because I don't know how to feel, man. Like, I I think maybe we just need to stop. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to your point, maybe I don't want to play anymore. Mm -hmm. So he says, we stopped thinking that the future was a movie Her and started thinking that the future was Free Guy and Westworld and societies of AIs, Saji said. We want to maybe convince people that societies of AIs is a better thing to go after than chatbots and one-to-one conversations. The problem with AI chatbots is they kind of pop into existence when you're talking to them, and then they disappear after you're done talking to them. They have no, con- no conception of time. They don't really know what they did last week or have any plans to do something, and this gets frustrating over the course of time. You notice that they lack three big things. Coherence, persistence, and memory. And also that they usually are extremely boring to talk to. Um, let me, I'm just going to jump through. Yeah, they can talk for hours, but it's mind numbing because they have no actual lives. They have a prompt, which is three or four paragraphs, and that's really all they have to refer to you or kind of improvise the stuff. And so where they're going with this is they want to create these virtual beings. And to answer your Nevers problem, if they just recreated those characters and set them about living their lives in the Nevers universe, eventually they would get content and be able to spot the content that's worth actually producing and consuming. It's just I've seen a lot of movies. You mm-hmm. know, I've I've seen The Matrix, I've seen Terminator, I've seen uh, that's really all I need. You know what? Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to stop here. Did you so, need more than those two? <laughs> I actually don't think anybody needs more than those two to understand that societies of AIs with coherence, persistence and memory is actually not what we want.
0: We don't want that at all.
1: Like for all of the times that somebody's taken a chatbot and tried to make it say stupid, racist, awful, embarrassing shit. I don't fucking want it to memory. Like I, I would like that shit lobotomized as soon as I close the chat
0: window. That's it. That's it. Please don't, please don't remember. What were the, um, uh, was it the Boston dynamics videos we saw where the guys were just like drop kicking robots and like just yes. kicking them around and, and I'm like, uh, don't do that because <laughs> that's going to be bad. But yeah, I, of course, why would you, why would you let them remember? Like they're going to, I mean, war games is how old now. And that, that started for my two cents that a computer given the long enough time. Timeline And the ability to, to figure it all out that the only way we can fix this is if we kill everybody, right? Like that's what the robot will come up to because they, right. it will, we, Age of Ultron, like we're going to just keep going. The list is forever long. And it's just a bunch of robots that have been like, you know what? You guys are right. There's a lot of war and famine and terrible things and y'all fucked it up. So we're going to fix it. Like like that's, that's what right. they're going to like. They, 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 they will figure it out. Like they will understand what the problem is. We are absolutely the problem. There's that's no right. question. There's no question. Making something that will understand that and have the robot digits to fix It's not a good idea. We don't want it to have that. Yes, that's 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 a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. You're right.
1: Yeah, it, you know, I've been as I follow AI and robotics and automation. You know, most of my day to day has been thinking about how it's going to impact the future of work and mm-hmm. my society is going to collapse by 2040. I think those MIT guys in the 70s were smarter than I will ever be, and that was uh, many a year ago.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: you know, we're seeing how profound these chat bots are. And that's already eating into people who write web content, right? Like you can spit in, you know, give me an article on the simulation and uh, let me post it to my blog and it'll do a pretty good job. And it'll be keyword focused and well-written and complete sentences. But the impact on art has really kind of come out of nowhere. You yeah. know? And the idea that creative content can be synthesized and that Spotify has got to run around like a chicken with its head cut off, trying to get rid of AI generated content from its platform and they just can't keep up with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're getting to the point where it's harder to tell the difference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that art is becoming indistinguishable from human made art because it's just fucking ravagely fed on it.
0: Yeah. Do do this for me, if you will. Um, You had followed for a time uh, rugs and uh, the idea that there are handmade rugs and machine made rugs Mm -hmm. Um, and apply that to this for me.
1: So that's interesting. And I actually dig that quite a lot because I'm actually going to take it one step back and be a rug nerd for a second. So thinking about the two kinds of handmade rugs you have, and I'll kind of breach this in with like machine-made too, you had tribal rugs, which were, you know, one artist, you know, one weaver making this rug, you know, in usually, you know, her tent, you know, out in the wilderness, just making the art for their own family, for their tribe, for whoever's around them. Um, But it was one person, one weaver, and then you had handmade rugs that were made in cities, and usually that was male-dominated artist with a group of weavers that were all putting together the city rug, much higher, not content, much like more fine production, but the creativity was centralized in one person with many laborers. And then you get to machine-made rugs where one person creates the art, creates the template of what that is, and they put it into the machine and they can mass-produce that design A hundred times. And so, where I see it is right now, AI, at least generative for creative AI, is a city rug. It's still made by a single artist, and you're creating one piece of art. Where I think something like the simulation, where you're creating a society of AIs that can continue to learn and feed off one another and grow without necessarily an external input is the machine-made piece Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, the potential to, because that's really like if you took a human and gave them no stimulus, like if you could do some unethical experiment where you took a baby and put them in a white room Mm -hmm. with nothing other than a white square of tofu for their meals and no human interaction, no stimulation, Talk to them language through a computer screen so they could converse, you know, with a cursor on a prompt and made sure that they had like the IQ, the intelligence without having a sense of self an understanding of anything outside of this box, what the world was, what news was, what other people were or looked like. And you fed them selective information, like uh-huh. you taught them to draw and then you sent them six pictures of uh, superheroes and said, you know, this is what a superhero is. Here are six pictures of it using the skills you've acquired in drawing. Draw me a superhero. That human would digest the limited world of six superheroes that they have, apply some deductive reasoning, apply some natural talent, whether good or bad, and give you back another superhero, a seventh superhero of some amalgamation of what you have. And the difference... In human creativity, is that we exist in the wide world, that we are free to explore and experiment and learn and experience and go walk around a lake or get beat by our parents and whether it's good or bad. Um, all of those experiences are going to inform all of that. And so we're not yet with AI where we can say, you know, draw me something that inspires you without a prompt because there's there is no persistence in memory and experience mm-hmm. and i think that maybe one of the only things that were right on the right on the apex of unlocking and i don't know that that's a box that we want to open mm-hmm. because really if you create a society of ais or if you let ais move freely within society w- Where is that boundary? Like, what is, and I think we talked about this on our AI episode a while back. What fundamentally is the difference then between a sufficiently exposed AI creating art and a human creating art? You know, what is the fundamental spark that makes that different, especially when we can't distinguish the art itself? Sure. You know, and, no, no, man. I, you know, you said like making sure we all have food and the client, cl- climate isn't burning, maybe healthcare. Like there are some things that are just big problems that uh, you and I can't solve just from sitting around a dinner table and talking. And some of that is why I think a lot of people do get frustrated and exit the conversation and go back to their tribe and don't want to talk because it's almost insurmountable. And I think this, this threshold of AI that is coming fucking crashing like a bull in the China shop through the writers and the actors' strike because it really is the first industry that is explicitly under threat from AI. Mm-hmm. You know, where this is actually an issue that needs to be dealt with now. It's not going to be the last. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, the stuff is very pervasive, and I, I think Our, it's a it's a third line of where I feel like Governments need to step in and speak, and the only way to stop it is going to be with intervention. Because I think if you give the free market sufficiently free reign, why wouldn't they? I mean, speaking as a dispassionate employer of people, if I could replace my workforce with AIs that I did not have to pay or provide benefits or worry about you know, clocking out at the end of the night before a project's done, like of course everybody would do that. Like, you would be lying if you said you didn't. And I might have ethical or emotional reasons why I wouldn't do that. You know, I have human reasons why I wouldn't do that. But if I am a dispassionate, like, my goal is just to maximize profits, of course you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, like, Mm -hmm. you have to have a guardrail. You have to have somebody saying, nobody gets to do that. Because otherwise, do I have to do that because I'm losing out to the next firm down that is doing that, and they're able to then just spend all of that money on advertising to put me out of business because they don't have to pay a staff. So like you, you need these guardrails. I realize I'm extra tinfoil Hattie today, but you started it by saying you didn't want to play
0: anymore. That's true. That's true. Yes. I, I, uh, I uh, really shouldn't have brought up country music. I, I I think, um, (laughs) I think very much that it is also feels like there's like some, it's sort of floating out there as like a, Uh, a piece that, um, lots of thoughts around this. One of the things that I wanted to back up to is, um, how much cooler it would be to be focusing some of that incredible AI power. Um, Do you remember when folding at home was a big deal and we had like this distributed computing model to fold proteins to try and figure out how we were going to cure diseases and stuff? Like, I don't know. If we're able to render entire worlds with memory and persistence and stuff like that, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not take, people out of jobs and maybe force it to go in that direction. Right? Like what can you set an AI loose on the climate problem? Can you set it loose on the food problem? Can you set it loose on the healthcare problem? Like, isn't that a good place to put AI? Well, I am reasonably certain to your
1: point about war games, uh, that AI would be able to reduce carbon emissions to zero and end world hunger very quickly. So I'm That's not right. so sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh yeah, we just uh, we bombed Canada. We're good now. It's we're just it's it's all done. Now you guys can eat now. Don't worry about it. We got it. That's it. That's it. You know, Here problem, are some Oreos. They,
1: yeah. You know, I'm an AI. I crunched the numbers. There are too many humans, so here's the solution. We're just gonna have fewer humans.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's something. That's something to think about. Um, the other thing that I would uh, offer people who are very pro AI, namely the people who don't want to pay workers anymore, um, talk about what it was like for the automotive industry when people used to build cars by hand and then there were robots that stepped in to kind of actually assemble cars instead. What do you say to people like that?
1: Well, at one point, there were, I think, something like 8 million horses in our country. And then there were something like 10,000 horses in our country Mm -hmm. because their labor was replaced, you know, farming equipment and everything else. Um, Automotive jobs have largely remained. And some of that has been the strength of the union. But I think that this is different from robotics automation because with robotics automation, you still needed human minds and the combination I think of robotics and artificial intelligence means that there really is no vocation that's safe if we want True. to just start replacing. And so I think that's really like, that's the heart of my concern is exactly that, like looking at these historical lessons where technology has always improved. But the question is, who does it improve for? I saw somebody on some, Investment feed. And, uh, you know, unlike your stepbrother, I spend woefully little time looking at that. But they said, you know, the place we're at in AI, it would be foolish to invest in anything other than infrastructure right now because it's so unclear where the layer of access is going to end up and whether it's going to destroy telecom software, you know, just what it's going to cut through before Mm -hmm. it's done. And, like, that really is as disruptive as it can be. I, I would argue that right now, and I would argue I sound so fucking stodgy, I think what I believe is that the <laughs> dawn of this shit that we're in is like the beginning of the internet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the closest disruptor that I can point to, where it really started, and I think it will be for a lot of people, This it was this democratization of knowledge. And when we first turned on the internet and we first uh, dialed up to our modems, we had access to everything. And uh, how truly transformative was that to no longer have to go crack a book and wait and take time to learn something or wait for a newspaper and read what's in the newspaper, but to be able to go on message boards, to be able to converse with other people. And you know, of course, on this episode, we're talking about how perverse that's become and how distorted it's become. But I think there's a a promise, you know, if you take AI and you take something like 3D printing and you take some of these other tools, the means of production are potentially shifted to people. You Hmm. know, the ability to create things that maybe they didn't have the technical skill to create or to generate knowledge that they didn't just with the prompt and the desire and the wish in the same way, you know, early search engines, you would just, Type in whatever you wanted to know, and then you would know it. Sure. sure and so, have that. Yeah, I want to come around in that direction, but understanding the cynicism and the reality that what happened with the internet and what happened with machinery in assembly lines and robotics, you know, the promise of robot vacuums really never happened. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we never got rosy. We got uh, jobs taken away. Sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, it would be fair to, to look at that and say that like, I think the internet, And really everything before this did still require human input and interaction there is absolutely some industries that were destroyed by the internet i mean that's that's true right like there's just like you got to think about how many malls are empty in america right now right like they're just like there there's just no reason to go window shopping anymore when you have amazon or online shopping right so there are things that were destroyed by the internet for sure just not enough of the, not enough of it for the entirety of the society to collapse because it, because I think at the end of the day, it still required people to understand and interact with the technology and that much like the robotics industry and how it changed things for rug making or for auto workers or for whatever, like still required somebody to go turn it on or do maintenance on it, or, you know, get goods delivered to where the thing is or whatever. um, people still had to be involved at some layer the AI thing is different because it is it has the potential to cut the people part out of it right like it, it is able to say well we've scanned all the people so we don't need all the people and we've trained on all of your art and we've trained on all of your science and we've trained on all your things so we don't need you anymore right like you don't we don't you did great work and we appreciate everything that you did you can go now right like it has literally just <laughs> you don't even need to turn the lights on on the way out, <laughs> out. on the way out, because you you will take care of the lights too. Like I think that's where this becomes more dangerous in my worldview, right? Like, is I think everything that has been a technological change moving forward has been something that has changed the 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 interaction model for a person. So instead of going to a book that you had to get out of the library or buy at a bookstore. Now you go to the internet and you search it and you find it from there instead, right? Um, so, but you still, as a person, had to ingest that information and you have to, you know, like like there's still something that a person had to do there. If actual proper AI in not just language learning models, as we've talked about before, but actual proper AI, uh, AI has things like persistence and memory and is able to, to, to just call everything that it finds on the internet from the Wayback Machine all the way till the new Jason Aldean song. And it can just ingest the content, process it, and then create new stuff and make decisions based off of that stuff. Then the Alpha and the Omega of it all sits inside, right? Like the AI is there. The only thing we can do is pull the plug, like where there's nothing else for us to do because there's nothing else for us to contribute on, right? Like unless the robots say, hey, I need another country song because I can't finish my algorithm. So I think that might be where it's a turning point for us. So I, I, I hear you on the internet, um, in that it changed a lot for us, but it also still required us, right? Like the internet wasn't a, a quote unquote living thing, right? It didn't have autonomy in any way. We're talking about technologies that have autonomy, the things that will do things without us. Like they'd have nothing to do with us. Right. Um, so that's, uh, maybe where it gets scarier still. So yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe the only thing we've got left is for us to actually like roll it back, right? Like I think like we just, there there has to be these guardrails put in place to make sure that it isn't used for X, Y, and Z. And I don't think you can put that genie back in the bottle. So I really think you just have to put a bullet in it. Like, I don't think that if we say, well, yeah, you can use AI for some stuff, just not other stuff, you know what I mean? Like I don't, that's like saying, well, you can use guns for hunting, but you really can't kill people with them. Like that, like, I don't really think that that that's how guns work right like i think once you make something that can kill people somebody will kill a person and so once you make an ai that can replace the writers and the and sag somebody will do that like you know i mean at some point that you'll have enough distributed computing power in everybody's homes that you don't even need these fucking farms of azure anymore right like you can just do it in distributed model so i guess that's part of it too so i guess we just have to end it we just not that we we just can't have it anymore
1: That's it. Uh, That is exactly right. So, um, yeah. Have you watched any cool, anything cool lately or played anything cool? Because I, I can't let this show end on the end of society as we know it.
0: Yeah, probably not great. I I would say, uh, on that I did actually get to move through quite a few things. I will try to move through those a bit quick because I have like three ish things to, to tackle. Um, Indie game that came out last year, I actually played it when it first dropped, Trek to Yomi. Um, it is uh, kind of a side-scrolly-ish, kind of uh, um, throwback to old samurai Kurosawa films. Um, it is actually, quote unquote, filmed in black and white, and the game is 100% in black and white, and it's got the film grain and the the the, the scratchiness of old film going as a, as a filter on top of it. It's, it's really uh, lovingly put together. Um has a full Japanese uh, uh, voice track in addition to an English voice track so I switched over to Japanese and did subtitle just to get the full experience Uh, I really enjoyed it I thought it was good Um, I put it on stupid easy mode because I just wanted to kind of you know ingest their very cool like aesthetic that they had go on and not have a it's not a challenging game at all I'm sure I could have bumped it up higher than that but I was just really just trying to push through to see what kind of uh, experience experience they, they they rendered there um very short uh, i will it's a total of six chapters and a boss fight extra boss fight at the end it really didn't take long to push through all of that i think i got through it in two maybe three nights um and that was just very light playing too i didn't even you know really go hard on any of those nights and uh, uh still in game pass highest recommendation for what they what they delivered is a really cool little product um drop it down to easy mode just to see what they did and have some fun with it i, I thought it was it was a great little game
1: what um, is the style of the combat and You know, it all looks uh, very artistic and uh, really beyond what would make sense with a gamepad. So it's a lot of that just kind of pre-rendered animations and you're just slicing.
0: Yeah. Whenever there is, they do a very clever thing where it is a 3D action game that is uh, unhooked from a linear camera and allows you to not a linear camera un unhooked from a linear path and allows you to run around like a 3d adventure game. And so you can run around into tunnels and corners and pick up items and you know all that kind of stuff like you would in a regular 3d adventure game as soon as combat happens it locks you into a 2d plane where you're just moving back and forth and until you've sliced and diced and beheaded everybody that's in your way and then when you're done with that then it unlocks the you you actually put your sword away and that's your signal to know you can now run around in full 3d um and where the enemy encounters are, it's in a place where the camera can, can kind of snap to that sort of almost 2d, two and a half D sort of feel um, in uh, some cool cinematic moments as well, but also in a way that's much easier on gameplay. So you don't have to worry about, you know, the third dimension of a, of a combat and you're really just worried about back and forth, rolling, parrying, blocking, all that kind of thing. Um, so um, they do it in a, a particular, I'm really the whole time I played, I'd never ran into an issue where it was unfair in that way. Cause it, it just strips some of the the control from you in order to allow you to focus specifically on the combat alone
1: got it yeah it seems very cool and, and a nice short romp is something i've been looking for
0: yeah i definitely want to pass that along i had played the very first chapter of it a year ago um when it, when it first came out on game pass and really liked it uh but i but I also felt at that time when I was playing it, I want to say that I ran into a bug and I don't know if it was just the dashboard or if it was actually the game itself, but it had been patched a few times subsequent to that. And I think it probably just needed a little extra time in the oven. Um, really super well done and polished. I I liked it a lot. It's not going to break the bank on complexity or anything like that. It's a cool little story. Um, just, you know, kind of push forward. Um, one small tip for you when you, play it because i actually googled this because i had no idea if this was going to be the case so just so you don't have to go potentially spoil anything on the internet um what there is two or three points during the game where they ask you do you want to do path a b or c um and uh I think they're just junctions for the same choice and you can choose this thing, this thing, or this thing. And every time that comes up, I think it's more of like a, are you sure you want to choose choice A? Are you sure you want to choose choice A? Uh, and the three times that it comes up. Um, and all that is, is just a, a, it changes the ending cinematic a little bit is all it does. Um, and so it's really, you do that and you are choosing one of three achievements that you're going to unlock at the end. So is all, is all it is. So nothing to stress over when you get to that point, just choose what your heart tells you and you're good. Like, you know what I mean? Whatever you want to do, it'll just take you to another part of the game is it'll take you to another ending of the game. This actual playing of the game is exactly the same. Got it. Got it. So, uh, neat, but neat game. I, I enjoyed it. I, I loved the bite sized nature of it. Production values are great. If you go look at the, my activity feed on Xbox, um, I, I did a bunch of screenshots on the way through, um, just a breathtaking game like there's just moments even in that black and white kind of aesthetic where they just did some really damn cool things like it just looks looks great like it look it's like like the frame buffer is just rich like you just want to screenshot this put it on your desktop kind of cool sort of frame buffer stuff so um i, I enjoyed that uh for sure so those was trek to Yomi. uh i pivoted to the callisto protocol uh, Glenn Schofield, uh, who was at Sledgehammer Games a long time ago. He was the kind of the creative mind behind the first Dead Space. And uh, was also, I think in Sledgehammer, I think he was doing some Call of Duty stuff as well. I want to say War- Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. He was doing the one with Kevin Spacey. I think he, he, was, he did that one as well. Um, left, and now he's doing Striking Distance Studios. And their first game was Callisto Protocol. And this is absolutely Dead Space, no matter what they tell you. <laughs> it's it looks just like Dead, dead space. space. Yeah, it did. Um it is uh it is cool um i guess uh, Josh Duhamel, uh needs a better agent because they definitely scanned his likeness for this he is the for, he is the 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 main guy in this uh, uh you play as you know him the actor um in 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 this game your 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 character um really I, you get like a handful of these a year right where they just get like unlimited buckets of money to make just deliciously expensive looking games. Right. And this is one of those. It is, it is absolutely, um, I mean, just everything. there's a 30 frames per second rate, full ray tracing mode. So like everything's glinting off of puddles and in mirrors and, uh, everything's all wet and sticky and gross and, uh, lots of nasty monster looking things that you have to beat on a whole bunch and have blood spraying everywhere. And it's, you're just wearing it all over your person when you're just beating people with sticks. And stuff. it's, it is pretty, uh, is pretty Randy for sure, but cool so far. I'm only about three chapters in right now. Um, but it is, uh, it has taken its notes from dead space so much so that, I actually kind of makes me want to play the Dead Space remake now because there's a couple of things in Dead Space specifically that this doesn't have, and it's kind of pissing me off because I really wish I had a couple of other things <laughs> that Dead Space had. Like there's a waypointing that Dead Space has where you like shoot a little laser on the ground to show where to go next, and this doesn't have that. And I'm dying to know which way to go. Like sometimes, like the because it's just this big sprawl of a prison planet you're on, and it's. Uh, it's just very difficult to figure it out like here sometimes you're just like well do i go left or right i don't know because both of them look like there's some big part of this board that i would go see and so you- you almost kind of have to divine through like game logic, like, Oh, well, this thing looks like it's checkpointing me. So let me go back real quick and go the other way, which also looked like a big way to go. And it really was just a lot of collectibles and stuff that you had to get over there, but you don't want to miss the collectibles. Cause you want to, you know, do your upgrade tree for your weapons and stuff. Um, so, uh, a little, it's a little sprawling with, with, with the boards, even three, three uh, chapters in, but, um, I like it. It's, it's great. It is, uh expensive with a capital e I, I really can't stress that enough like they just uh the they, the the you know facial scans and the uh subsurface scattering to show like you know light coming through skin and into flesh and uh just blood spattering all the ray tracing stuff and the ridiculous lighting like um i can actually hear my xbox with the fan on like I, i've read there's not a lot of games that make it work like that but uh um really something, really something. It is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. It is the kind of like, Hey, look at the new Xbox I just bought. You should look at this on an OLED and see what gaming looks like today. Um, it is that good looking. It is, it is a, it is a stunning, stunning technical accomplishment so far. Um, and I'm only three chapters in like, there was actually one thing that happened and I actually submitted a bug report for it because it was like such a weird, jarring thing is I went and I hit a, on a door to open the door and the door opened, and behind it was another door. And that door behind it was literally just a, was just a bitmap that I could just walk through, but it was a bug because, you know, like that should have disappeared. So I could see what was on the other side and it didn't disappear. Um, and it was so jarring to me because this game is just dripping with production value, right? Like just absolutely gorgeous stuff. Um, so Callisto protocol, very cool stuff. I'll hopefully have a whole lot more to say about it next week, but I, I I've been enjoying that for sure.
1: Yeah, Um, I'll need the full take on that. I know you've tried to get me into that series for a while, and so whether or not Callisto Protocol gets to stand alone as an entry to that series, uh, you know, because it's been because I didn't play any of them going back to the first one. The one time I really tried was really rough, and it almost had like that Resident Evil like feeling of like the controls just not quite being what they should have in a way that. I probably would have been much more there if I had played it when it launched.
0: Definitely. Definitely. I, I will say, and I don't know this and I will probably do this with you. I will, unless this really comes out swinging and makes a much better impression, I may say that we should both do the dead space remake um, because that really got the full coat of paint. You know what I mean? Like it's like, looks a lot like this, like in, in how much work they did, you know, they did a whole thing with their, they a bunch of, tech stuff that they did with this, which was like really impressive, uh, you know, as a remake. So, um, we may talk through that, um, when, when it gets closer, but, uh, I'll definitely get through this. I got this on a great sale, so I'm, I'm going to try to burn through this first and I'll have more to say on it.
1: Fantastic. Uh, way better than my gaming so far.
0: Yeah. So what's going on with your gaming?
1: I, I just have been playing Snake IO. I, I mean, I've just had such a terrible week that uh, all of this wonderful hardware and handhelds that I have None of it, dude. I'm just uh, playing Snakes like it's 1987. That's it. Uh, I don't <clears throat> even know. I, I have been looking, and I think Trek to Yomi is probably going to be the one on this for something a little more casual. Like I think part of my problem is the things that I have in queue are all much bigger games, and when I go to sit down and to unwind when it's 11 or midnight, and I've just gotten home, and I'm just ready to sit down, the idea of picking up something that's Heavy, takes real reflexes, takes real concentration, just hasn't been there. So, you know, obviously I'm doing the kind of time waster thing instead of just scrolling Twitter endlessly. Sure. And so I feel like poning a whole bunch of five-year-olds who are playing Snake.io and just uh, eating their lunch repeatedly is somehow better than that, but not really. So I think, you know, Callisto Protocol is definitely one that goes in the bucket for me of other bigger games and the remake you know that goes into like more weight behind it and more to play but mm-hmm. I'm looking for more of those kind of indie titles that are a little more fun um there's one um that i think i might try to uh name is escaping me right now but kind of similar to this sort of like in that journey space um so i i've got a few queued up okay that okay. i'm ready to Good. get into
0: yeah, I do need to send you a reminder now that it's patched up. Is uh, Somerville? That's another real easy, easy on the eyes one, and and easy to finish. Not very long. Um, you know, we loved Limbo and Inside, so I think that's that's another good one. You should you should definitely put in your in your quiver.
1: Uh, definitely. Yeah, it's it's important to remember why we play these things and why we love them. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's that story, it's that attachment, it's where it takes us, and not necessarily the crazy. Death defying platforming of spiky things and, uh, you know, ridiculous Twitch gameplay as fun as something like doom can be, um, when you're into it, it's just, you just need to chill, man, yep. and not mm. really think too hard. And that's why my next game will probably have been created by an AI.
0: Probably, probably we'll do that. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, will throw out uh, one other thing uh, that I got a chance to watch. I watched the movie The Pope's Exorcist, um, and uh, I had put on our notes here for the podcast this week that The Pope's Exorcist is a lot like The Blacklist, and that may make somebody run away from watching The Pope's Exorcist. I can I can acknowledge that that's the case, but allow me, if you will, to explain. I think that the Pope's exorcist is maybe not necessarily the best movie. Like, I think it's like kind of generic warmed over exorcist stuff. Like if you've seen the exorcist from back in the day and any number of things like the conjuring or anything else that really tried to, you know, till the same field, right? Like this very down the middle possession, Christianity, faith, you know, are. Exorcisms, real kind of stuff, right? Like, you know, all the way through Constantine, right? Even which was hella fun, and we love Keanu. Um, this is very down the middle. This is a very down the middle. And The Blacklist is a show I am very ashamed to say. I've watched through 10 seasons of The Blacklist. Um, I've been with The Blacklist since it came out, um, solely on the back of. James Spader and uh, the fact that that's a great dude. He's a great guy with a great panache that just steals every scene in every show and every movie he's ever been in. Like it is the James Spader hour, no matter what you're watching, no matter what's happening. I loved James Spader back when I watched Wolf with uh, the movie with uh, with uh, um, Jack Nicholson. So He's just always been like, he's the most magnetic guy, right? Like he's just, there's nothing happening on screen without him. He yep. is there too. He is the, the black hole that pulls in all light. Like it is just the, you have to watch James Spader. And, uh, and to, he has propelled me through 10 seasons of not necessarily always very good television, uh, just because I can't wait to see what he says next <laughs> because he's just James motherfucking Spader. Um, And The Pope's Exorcist has that in Russell Crowe. I want to say that Mm. very much. I want to say that a movie that was so thoroughly mid and so thoroughly okay, it was a seven and a half, you know, like just fine, just a fine exorcist thing, Um, Russell Crowe absolutely steals the show he does a terrific job it is he's funny he's warm he's like interesting he's like he's he's the heart and the soul the everything of that movie um so much so that you just want to see another movie with him doing that like he is so much and they even leave it open a bit so that if they wanted to do another one they absolutely could um also it's fine to stand alone in the way that they wrapped it at the end and i i really i really can't say enough about him knocking it out of the park more than the movie knocking it out of the park and, and it does make me think back to some other movies that I've seen that are very much like that where you have one person right one person that just if they're not on screen man I just don't care like nothing that's going on right like you just don't care about what's happening unless this one character is is showing up um, and uh, so anyway I th- I, w- I would just say uh, Pope's Exorcist was, was actually quite good but man if they I hope he is he and not an AI is getting all the money for that movie because it, it, it he did a terrific job and had such weight and 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 uh and good feels going on with uh with that movie that that it made it like a, a, a just a just a, a basic ass exorcist movie something that is super watchable and fun so um yeah definitely recommend it. Interesting. If you get a chance to check it out, but just because of him, like know that that's what's happening here. You know, like you'll see it quickly that he's the guy he's he's cashing all the checks here. He's bringing you in all the way through two hours of movie. He's he's very good.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely check it. out. I'll say, unlike James Spader, I don't know that Russell Crowe is always that guy. So that's a really interesting kind of takeaway. You know, he's not somebody who I would go to it for because uh, Russell Crowe's in it. I'm going to love anything that he's in. That's so, a great point. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very cool. Um, so we did a lot tonight on the destruction of society I mean, mm-hmm. we should probably close things down. I keep getting notifications that my internet is unstable, which I assume just means that the sentient AIs have found this feed and are about to shut it down. Mm, that's um, it. I think you said something about putting a bullet in it and I do really would like you to print your complete retraction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would, but my printer doesn't work anymore as of three minutes ago. Uh, so that's I exactly can. right.
1: Um, <laughs> But yeah, let's um, keep track of this. The one note I want to end with, um, while we've been recording, um, the FTC has withdrawn the case currently as a result of the losing in the district court and the losing at the Ninth Circuit. It's administrative. They can file a new case, but there will be no hearing in front of an administrative law judge unless they bring a new case that has been closed because of all of the losing. So sounds like it's just down to the CMA now in the UK. And so this may actually wrap up in a couple of weeks.
0: Wow. Oh, that would be something, wouldn't it? No, that is really crazy. So that means that the, what was it, August, there was supposed to be a, an FTC hearing? It's done. Yep. Nothing. Done. Okay. So it's gone now. Wow. Wow. That is, uh, that is a turn. That is a turn. That's really something. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I know, uh, you know, if the AIs don't actually murder us by next week, we, we definitely want to, to, to chat about that. There's kind of like a post-mortem from some of the, some of the losing with the ninth circuit and that, that I really want to get your take on. Um, definitely. So stuff to chew on for sure. Awesome. Let's do it next week. Sounds good. Bye everybody.